We're going to be in Leviticus chapter 12. Lord, we ask you to bless this uh, time as we look at your word and, and help uh, lead and guide us as we look at, at what it is that you uh, will show us tonight. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Leviticus 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman hath conceived seed and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days according to the days of the separation of her infirmity shall she be made be unclean. And in the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised, and she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying thirty-three days, and she shall touch no hallowed thing nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. But if she bear a maid child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her separation, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifying 66 days. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priests, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her. And she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born a male or, or a female. And if she not be able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves and two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for the sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. All right, so we want to look at this a little bit. This is uh, after, after a woman's had a child. She was to be considered unclean for either seven days or 14, depending on whether she had a, a son or a daughter. And we want to, I did a little bit of research on this, and we're going to look at Job chapter 14 real quick. Job chapter 14. Perhaps if you're not. <laughs> and you're not unclean. Somebody else was unclean. <clears throat> Verse 4. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean not one. And this is, this is one of the verses we're going to read. And we're going to flip over to Job 15, verse 14. Job 15, verse 14. What is man that he should be clean, and he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? And then we want to look at Job 25. Job 25, verse 4. How can man be justified with God, and how can he be clean that is born of a woman? So we're looking at these. Uh, we're going to stop there. But there's a number of verses that talk about when somebody is born, they are born unclean. And we look at this. A woman was deceived. Eve was deceived by the serpent, and she brought sin into the world and, and died spiritually. Now remember, we've talked about how man chose sin. Adam chose to sin because he was not deceived. So the sin nature flows from Adam, but the woman isn't perfect either because she is, is a dead in, individual bringing forth a life which is spiritually dead. And she is considered unclean. This also goes into the idea of all through Leviticus, we're going to see the idea of discharges. Uh, a woman through her menstruation, uh, leprosy, if we get into chapter 13, which I expect that we probably will, seems though there's only eight verses in this chapter. 
leprosy with his dis uh, fluid discharges, uh, any kind of uh, rash or anything. If you know, if you've ever had like a, a poison ivy or a poison oak, the rash on there. If you scratch on it, uh, you know, has a liquid, a liquid that you know pours out of it. Uh, boils and all these things have these uh, liquids. Uh, even our sexually transmitted diseases are diseases of discharge. Uh, so the Bible talks about any kind of bodily fluid discharge making the person unclean. All right? So when a woman has a child, she is considered unclean for seven days uh, or 14 if it's a, a girl. So it talks about this. It talks about her being unclean. Then it talks about circumcision of the male. And what is circumcision? Does anybody remember what circumcision is means? What, when did it start? Cleanliness, isn't it? There's a debate on whether it's cleanliness. Even to this day, it, it is used to help, help cleanliness. But when did, when did circumcision start in when Israel? Moses. Before Moses. Remember Abraham, God said, this will be a perpetual sign before me that all your males will be circumcised. All newborns will be circumcised on the eighth day. All right? Uh, and why was that? Because that's one thing that, to get them clean then? It was, a, it was just a, it was a symbol between them and God. There is, even today there's debate, you know, that a circumcision yeah. keeps, keeps disease down and... And, I, thought, oh, and I thought maybe just the Jews would do The Jews were the ones that had to do it. Now, Ishmael took circumcision with him to the Arabian people as well. Except that the Muslims, the people that come from that, that faith, the Muslims and the Arabs, they circumcise on the 13th year. And does anybody remember why it's the 13th year? Because we talked about this a long time ago. We talked about this when it, was, when it first happened and also when uh, Zipporah and Moses had the problem with their baby because it wasn't circumcised on, eight, on the eighth day. It was Ishmael. Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised. So the Arabs and the, and the Muslim world circumcised on the 13th year, which is when Ishmael received his circumcision. And doesn't, doesn't they still kind of believe it still and they do it? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, the Muslims, the Muslims circumcise too, but like I say, it's on 13th year as opposed to the 8th ah. day. And it's much more painful at that age yeah. than it would be at, on the infant. It doesn't yeah. hurt the infant. Uh, the infant heals quickly from it. Uh, the brisk. The brisk, yes. Uh, that's their celebration on the eighth day, and this is, and this is what the woman was told that on the eighth day your son, your son goes in and gets to be circumcised, and then she's unclean for thirty-three more days, or thirty-three days from the seventh, uh, thirty-two days from. So she has a total time of being unclean for a male child of forty days. Okay, which forty is is a number of testing. All right. Yeah, I remember reading it, and I really didn't understand it. No, I understand it, but I really didn't understand what they meant by 
she was unclean for so long after, you know. Well, it had to do with the, the bodily discharges involved in, in, a, in the birth giving and and after, after you know, a few minutes after the baby's born, then the placenta is pushed out, and, and there's all this bleeding thereafter for a period of time. And so this is, for them, this was an unclean period of time. Um, and if it was a female, she would be unclean for two weeks for her separation, and then she had to be unclean for 66 days, or a total of 80 days of, of being unclean. And during this uncleanness, her, her husband couldn't come to her. Uh, she couldn't go into the sanctuary. She couldn't you know, use any of the stuff. She couldn't even prepare a sacri- you know, She couldn't handle the sacrifice that was going to go to the they temple. Made it like, they, they made it so, um, sound like a disease. It, in, one sense they can, yeah. in one sense, they did consider it to be because there was all this bodily discharge. But it wasn't. And, you know, but you think you know, they're not supposed to touch anything of blood. They're not supposed yeah. to touch anything of... So I mean, here's all this blood and everything yeah. being involved. So as far as they're concerned, this is a unclean situation, and God is God is saying that it is because the woman brought in the evil into the world, and when she has a daughter, she's bringing another woman to bring bring unclean life into the world. So there's a, a deeper deeper thing. But the sons are every son for a Jewish woman is potentially the Messiah. And that is one of the things that you'll see sometimes, you know, the woman will say, you know, I, may this be the savior, savior of our people. And it's still done to this day by really Orthodox Jews that every woman is hoping to be the, the mother of the Messiah, uh, the one who will deliver, deliver them and make their kingdom great. Uh, you know, so it's a big deal. And it says, when the days of her purifying are fulfilled, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now a test. What do we remember about a burnt offering? Is it voluntary or involuntary? Involuntary. What was that? Involuntary. Does everybody agree involuntarily? Yes. This one is involuntary, but... Remember, this sin offer, the burnt offering, is a voluntary. And what does the sin offer, the burnt offering, represent? Sin, sin. Not sin. The sin offerings uh, for sin. Atonement. No. Thanksgiving. No, that's your meal. Meal and trespass. It is your dedication offering. You're dedicating yourself. You're you're totally giving yourself to God through a burnt offering. Now, this burnt offering is not voluntary. Okay, this one is mandatory because this one is for the woman and for the child to be dedicated to God. Now, in the Christian churches, we don't, most most of us don't (laughs) baptize babies, but we will dedicate babies. My parents say, we want to dedicate my child to God, and we'll say a prayer and, you know, encourage the parents to raise their child up in in God and then encourage the church to help that parent to raise that child up. And so that would be the equivalent to this type of dedicated, dedicative offering. So a burnt offering is dedication. Is a, is a dedication. Yeah. And it is totally consumed, that, that offering. The only, what part of that offering went to anybody? None. One part of it went to somebody. The priest. And went to the priest, but what part of it went to the priest? The meat. Not the meat or the, the bird. 
the the car the the, the, the skin. Oh, Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they skinned it, and the skin went to the oh. priests. Everything else in the and that offering was burnt. All right, trying to get all of this is interactive, so we want to make sure we're remembering this stuff. So she's going to offer a burnt offering of a of a lamb, and she brings a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle. Okay, remember that they will wring the neck of the of the of the of the bird. It'll create that ring around the neck, showing forth the crown of thorns. They'll drain it. They will they will burn. They will flay it, and they will burn that bird completely for the sin offering. Brings, uh, number eight, verse eight. Bring two turtles. Turtle, well, turtle doves. No, mine says turtles. It, it means turtle, turtle doves. Dead. Turtles are unclean. It won't be turtles. It's turtle doves because you got to refer back to here where it says a, a young pigeon or a turtle dove. Okay, we found it. We found it. Okay, this is a typo. No, it's just they, it's just they understood it to be turtle doves. Okay, turtle doves. I, I that's what I'm asking. I didn't think they'd bring a turtle. Huh? I wouldn't be thinking of a dove if I was thinking of a turtle. Turtle doves. Yeah. But you can't be turtles, and why can't it be a turtle? Because they were unclean. Turtle, turtles are an unclean animal. They're forbidden. They're forbidden to be eaten, and therefore they're forbidden to be offered to God. All right, well, I, I, Verse 7, and the priest shall offer these things to the Lord to make an atonement. And what does atonement mean? At one minute. At one minute, to be made one with. And she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born, male or a female. And if she not be able to bring a lamb... Then she shall bring two turtles or turtle doves and two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin, sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So in other words, if you were so poor you couldn't afford a lamb, you went out and got two birds. Now, who remembers what Mary offered for Jesus on her purification day? Two turtle doves. Two turtle doves. So that meant that they were a very poor family. They could not afford to make the offering of a lamb. Hey, Lynn, can I get a Benadryl? <laughs> <laughs> it's not no, it So Jesus' mother and father were very poor. Yes. Yep. And that is important for us to understand. He wasn't born into the lap of luxury. He was born in... He was born into a very poor family. Working family. Very, well, working, but even on a working scale See, on the poor side. See, that's what I think side. is so cool to them, you know, because of how they traveled on a donkey. They didn't have no fancy things to, I guess, to win before when she was going to have Jesus, you know. We don't even know that she was on a donkey at that because that says that's not oh, said in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say in the Bible that she rode a donkey. It's yeah. just in all the pictures and everything. But it seems like you could walk when you're... That yeah. Who knows? Oh, yeah. A donkey. A donkey was something that poor people didn't own. Could he have borrowed a donkey because she was so pregnant? Maybe. He was. He was a carpenter. I believe he probably made some kind of cart that he pulled, most likely, on this trip. But that was. Wasn't that a long, really long trip, like sixty miles? Yeah, it would have been about. It would have been at least a. It would have been a four or five day yeah. walk if she hadn't been pregnant and probably longer with her being pregnant. That, you know, now they would have traveled in a caravan. It is possibly that one of the rich people took pity on her and, and had her ride in their cart uh, 
you know, but you've got to remember, we think of donkeys as being something that everybody owned in that day, and very, you had to be fairly well off to own a donkey. Because if you had enough money to buy an animal, you would buy an ox. Because an ox could be ridden for travel, and it, and it, was, a plow, and it was a plow animal. Uh, and it could pull a cart. So donkeys, donkeys were, not, were not something that everybody had. So Kings and horses, Horses definitely belong to the very wealthy. Yeah, the very wealthy, yeah. the very wealthy would have a horse or a camel. And the horses were the horses were extreme. You had to be really wealthy to have a horse because they were they were considered for royalty only. Yeah. Did she ride on a donkey? We don't know. All the pictures you see of Mary, right, right, she's riding a donkey, but their family was not a wealthy family, so it's very unlikely that she rode a donkey being on a caravan being on a caravan yeah somebody may have taken pity on her and let them borrow one they may have she you know but on the caravan somebody may have taken pity on her and let her ride in a you know in a cart or a wagon or something with some of the wealthy because of somebody being that pregnant they would have looked at her and had a lot of more sympathy for her than joseph being a carpenter he might have just made some kind of cart himself and pulled it himself so it's one of those things we don't know. I always think, no, I always think just that. It would have been a long walk. Five days, you think walking with her, having going to have a baby. And I mean, we are so spoiled now. I mean, we want to get there now. Like, well, like, I, have, I have a copy of a newspaper for chloride from, from the uh, 1898, I think it was. And they were making a big deal out of people going to Kingman. You know, Kingman wasn't something you did. You just went to Kingman in the morning and came back that night. Twenty miles. Yeah, it was it was a full day. It was a full day there. Uh, if you were if you were wealthy enough to take the train, you could get there and back. But you wouldn't only you'd only have about an hour or two, so you you would still spend the night. You know, spend the night there. But it was a big deal. You know, it wasn't it wasn't something like I do so often. You know, make the trip back and forth on the same day. It was. You made a trip there, and then you spent the entire day either here or there, and and then you came back. You know, it was a two or three day ordeal. It wasn't, but but you understand though. But still, for us, it's still not that big a deal. All right, chapter thirteen. We're gonna go ahead and get into chapter thirteen. The Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in his skin of his flesh arising a scab or a bright spot, and it be a, in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, and, or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague of the skin of the flesh, and, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in the sight is deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy, and the priest shall look upon him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of the flesh, and it sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut him up in that hath the, the plague seven days, and the priest shall look on him on the seventh day, and behold, if the plague in his sight be not be at a stay, and the plague spread not on his skin, then the priest shall shut him up for seven days more. And the priest shall look on him on the seventh day, and behold, if the plague be the somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in his skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is, not, it is but a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. So we're going to stop there for just a moment at verse 6. So this is the idea of finding out about leprosy. 
Now, leprosy is a, was a very bad disease of that day. It is curable today. It was not curable then because they didn't know what caused it. What would end up happening is leprosy is a slow-growing bacterial infection of the skin. So it continues to grow unless it is treated. Uh, it can be treated today with antibiotics. It would take a full year of antibiotics to treat leprosy. It is very persistent. It causes skin disfiguration. It causes uh, swelling of the skin and bubbles and lesions. Uh, sometimes it causes ulcers on the skin that look horrible. <laughs> Now, wouldn't leprosy, I don't know, wouldn't you more get it like if you were in some foreign country like Africa or something? Or can you get it in the States? You can get it anywhere that you're exposed with the bacteria that gives leprosy. In our country, not quite as likely because we have higher sanitation. So yes, in one sense, it's in the poor, yeah. poorer places, places where you don't get good water to, to bathe in. Uh, so, and leprosy is... In the scriptures, a picture of sin, okay? Because sin gets into our body and then it eats away the, our, our spiritual body and, tur and, and turns it evil. And so they're looking at this, and this is what God is saying about sin. Sin in our camp, you know, sin in our, in our midst needs to be put aside and being marked. We don't want to hang out with sinners just to, as I've said, we, we, we will go with sinners so we can give somebody to witness to, but our best friends shouldn't be sinners <laughs> because you're just asking for trouble. If your best friends are sinners, you're asking to be drugged down into sin. Uh, and this is what happens when somebody will say, well, I really think God is leading me to get married to this unsaved person. Well, you should never have been dating them in the first place. Okay, and so you, 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 you've had your wrong step there because the problem is almost always the lost person will drag the the believer away from the church. They, and can it work the other way? Well, once at about every thousand times, maybe somebody be successful to, to, to lead the lost person into Christ. But the majority of the times, it's the other way around. What about marrying a Jew? The, you're again, it's an, un, it's an, un, an unequally yoked position. Because you're going to end up, when you're married to a Jew, there's a lot of closeness there. There's a lot of closeness there because we're of you know, the Old Testament, but there's a lot of incompatibility too. How do you handle Christmas? How do you handle Easter? How do you handle the Jewish holidays? You know, the Christian should have. <laughs> but, but see, that's what ends up happening when somebody is unequally yoked. There's all these problems of how do you handle. Yeah, oh. and I know what she was talking about. So oh, okay. it, it's difficult. It's difficult, and one usually gets pulled away from the other other place. It can even be you can even be unequally yoked as Christians if somebody is a brand new Christian, and somebody is a mature Christian. Now, it's not as bad as totally different religions, yeah. but if you're at different levels, you're asking for trouble as well because it is so easy to say, you know, I'm excited, but I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know things and do things wrong and bring the other one down. You know, being unequally yoked is very important. And this doesn't just mean in marriage. This means in friendships. It means in business. I met some people who have, I know people who have got, who are Christians that went into business with unchristians. That's not a good place to be because the unchristian 
the non-Christian is going to have no problem with cheating and stretching the truth. And, and hopefully the Christian does. Is homosexuality a sin? Yes. Is adultery a sin? Yes. Is fornication a sin? Yes. Now, the key to this is it's between them and God. Unless they're trying to bring their lifestyle and say, and say you need to accept my lifestyle and say it's okay. If they're trying to push that agenda with me, no. They're going to have problems with me and they're not going to be. But homosexuality is, is a sin. But then so is fornication. And fornication is accepted by so many people. Will I go to a homosexual marriage? No. Now, uh, would, I, would I tell somebody they're, they're, they're doing something good on that lifestyle? No. Will I tell two people that they're living together that they're doing something good and, and, and good for God? No. Uh, if they're committing adultery, will I tell them they're doing something good? No. If they're living, if they're living in a lifestyle that is you know, into th lying or yeah. thievery, no. Will I condemn them for it? No, I'm going to tell them what God says, and it's between them and God. Just to change the subject real quick, on, on Facebook, it was so cold. They had this video of this two couples. They said, you will never believe what they did before they got married. And man and wife, not no They didn't want to see each other until, they, until she got married, but they went to a corner, and one was at one corner, and the other was at the other corner. They put their hands together, and they both prayed. She prayed, they prayed, but it was so neat because they didn't want to see each other, but they, and that was so neat, you know, because that was on Facebook, and I think that will give a lot of people hope. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, this is part of where we as Christians need to have a, a standard that's higher than the world's and say, God has a standard, and I'm going to stick to it as close as I can. Does that mean I jump out and I condemn somebody because of, you know because of what they're doing? No, but because it's between them and God, they're going to have to stand and fall before Him. I mean, I don't want to make no issue about it. I just wanted to avoid. Well, there's times for an issue, and then there's times for not an issue. But it's, the times for an issue are a lot less than most people want it to be. Uh, you know, the problem with Christians nowadays is we're being known for, how, for all the stuff we're against, you know. And that's sad because our goal should be to bring Christ into every situation and bring the gospel into the situations. Not try to sit there and say, you know, what you're doing is wrong. You're going to go to hell because of it. Yes, we know that. But that's not, <laughs> that's, not our, that's not for us to be pushing on it. Our goal is to push Jesus Christ and say, he is the way to heaven. See, that's what I do, I know, just on Facebook. I mainly just have a plug and see my relative, but I have a couple of really good Christian sites, so I always post them on, at the good saying, and at the end it tells you songs or whatever it is, and I always, you know, I, I, I must probably put it, if I'm, when I'm on, I can do it five or six. You know, I figure, I figure that's kind of spreading. It can be, yeah. So we look, at, we look at leprosy. Leprosy is a disease that destroys the body. It destroys the nervous system so they cannot feel. And back in the days of the Bible and in even lower income places where they, where they sleep and the rats and the animals get, get to their bodies, the, they, can cut them, they can cut their finger off, they can have their finger chewed off without even knowing it because their nervous system is, is shut down by this disease. And one thing I found out is that you can be exposed to leprosy and it has about a year-long incubation period. Wow. You won't even know that you have it. It's a bacterial infection. 
and it's kind of that flesh-eating bacterial infections that we, we see. This is a little bit of history of uh, leprosy as we're talking about here. It sounds like gangrene. In a way, it's, you know, it's got some gangrene. It, it yeah. destroys your body. It eats at your body, except this is a virus. Yeah. With gangrene, if you cut the, cut the you know, extremity off, you would destroy it, but that doesn't necessarily work with leprosy yeah, because it is a bacterial infection. And you know, if, we, if you know things about bacteria, it's all over the body. It's not just one, one place. And so when they, in the Old Testament days, when they, were, when they got leprosy, they feared it because when one person got it, lots of people ended up getting it. It would, it would run through, the, run through a, a community. So they were, they, when somebody thought that they had something, they had, in their skin, they had a rising, a scab of, or a bright spot, and it was in their flesh, like the plague of leprosy. Now that, that means inside, you know, if you've ever seen a, a cut or something, you, you, the scab is up above and, and it's obvious it's just a scab, okay? But if it's inside and boils and stuff fit that kind of a disease or even, even kind of acne has that, it's inside the, the pores and stuff. It's the got, only thing that ever happened to me was like I would boil right here once. Mm. Or fever blisters that form across lips and, and stuff like you know that would that would classify of that one that they would be looking at. So if you had any of these things, you were to go to the priest, and the priest would look at it, and he'd be looking for certain things. He'd be looking at number one, was it in the skin or was it on top of the skin? If it was in the skin, it might be leprosy or, or and that's any of those plagues and rashes. Rashes are in the skin. If you think about it, how they boil up inside the skin, they're not. They're not above it. Uh, he would look at it. He'd look at the hair to see if it had turned white, and see if it, if, if it was deep if it was deep into the skin. And if he saw these things, he said that it was leprosy. And they were to be if it was leprosy. We'll see what was going to happen to this. If he couldn't make a decision on it, he put him he put him into isolation for a week. Okay. And that's what they were looking for. Yeah, yeah, it, that was exactly what they were looking for. Did it grow? Did the, did the, did the hairs turn in the, in it turn white or? Because like you said, it takes a year, so it could be in that process. Yes. Yep. So they're looking at this. So they put him away for a week, and then they're looking to say, is it gotten bigger? If he can't quite make a distinction, then he'd be put away for another seven days. <laughs> All right. At the end of that time, they would have to make some kind of decision. Either it's getting bigger or it's not getting bigger. If it's not getting bigger, they say, okay, it was just, uh, you know, just a rash, a heat rash or something, and, and, and send them home, uh, or a boil and send them home, or, or a scab, you know, just a regular scab that got, you know, a little deeper, deeper than normal. But the problem was they, they had to look at it. And what was this to do? It was to protect the people, to protect the people from a disease that could run Cause that was spread. rampant, because it would spread. Yeah, it was Right. You know, and it's the same thing, you know, what happens if you, you know, get poison ivy or ringworm or any of these different fungal infections, you know, they get bigger and bigger and, and they're infectious to the point where if anybody gets near you, they get it. Okay, and this is leprosy. And leprosy is quite a, quite a broad, <laughs> broad term here. I mean, this isn't just talking about Hansen's disease or, or what, you know, as it's called now, or leprosy, is any infectious, potentially infectious, you know, bodily rash. Hansen's disease? Hansen disease is what it's called, is leprosy, what leprosy is called today. 
But this is literally talking about anything that could be contagious. Okay, and this could be ringworm, you know, because ringworm would get larger and larger and larger unless it's treated. I have ringworm. I've had it, I've had it before too, and if it's not treated, it'll keep growing, mm -hmm. and it'll go all over. Anytime you touch it and touch something else, you know, another part of your body, it spreads. So this isn't just the disease of leprosy they're looking at. They're looking at any yeah, infectious spread like spreading bodily disease, any kind of rash that, that will spread, okay? And so they're looking at it, and, and if you've ever had any of those, you know what we're talking about. It's the, that stuff is skin. It's not on the skin. It's, it's in the skin. It, 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 it oozes out liquids. And this gets you back into the discharge idea that we just covered in Chapter 12. This, this part of this here um, reminds me of when I was reading it, so it's like a doctor's book of hearing and just being... And part of it is. Yeah. Because he's telling them exactly what they're looking for. What? How are you looking for it? If it's gotten bigger, then we're considering it a leprosy and saying, you know, keep it away, keep it away from the people. But this is exactly how sin grows as well. Sin is contagious to other people. If you hang around somebody who is doing sin and they're your best friend and you're hanging around them a lot you will probably find yourself doing what they do it's just the way life goes you know you hang around somebody who lies a lot you will probably find yourself lying just to fit in if you're if you're hanging around somebody who is mean to people and, and saying bad things to people and calling them names, what ends up happening if you start running with that kind of a person? You find yourself at least thinking about using those words, if not using them. So this is the way sin is. Sin is infectious, which is why it will draw people down into sin more often than being pulled up out of the sin. Because the only way to be pulled up out of sin is for God to come in and change who you are and change your life your life for you. And it's something I read to David and I can't think what it was just about sin. And the word they use was so neat. They're saying sin is like you say what you're just saying. I kind of find what it feels really good. I even saved it about sin. Mm -hmm. But it always will pull down. It will always change people. It will always. You, and once you start sinning, it gets easier and easier. And the more you do it, the easier it gets, and the harder it turn it is to turn back to God, because you start getting, especially for those who are saved already, then they start getting convicted and saying, "I don't, you know, how could I have done this? How can I have hurt God? How can I, have, how could I have made these bad decisions?" And God's saying, "Just repent and turn back." And yet our, everything about our flesh is saying, you're just too bad. You know, God will never forgive you again. He'd already forgiven you once. Why would he forgive you again? And it's so easy to fall away. And it's so easy to find all of a sudden you, get, you realize that I haven't been reading my Bible for you know, months, years, <laughs> decades. Uh, I haven't been to church in the same period of time just because you slipped off into the, in a, a sinful lifestyle with somebody. Because when I, before I moved to the bar, I, I used to live down at the beach and after I graduated, and I can't believe that he waited for me. I mean, that he still, I mean, it was, I think about, God, it was bad. It was terrible. I mean, I was terrible. And it's so easy to fall away. 
It's so easy yeah, to fall like, away. It's, it's like you say, it's like you're with the crowd, so you go with the flow. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I tell people, is the church the answer? The, you know, the answer? No. But in the same time, it is the answer because it puts you with other people and changes, changes like you say. If you're with the lost, you go with the yeah. flow in the lost. You start doing evil things. If you're hanging out with other Christians in the church, you start going with the flow of that crowd, which is hopefully a righteous, righteous well, flow. Plus, too, I was a lot younger. I don't think I would, I don't know if I would have done it now, but I was like 19, 20. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how easy, how easy it is for anybody to drift off into the flow of, of, of sin. I would have done it for six and you look at Solomon. Solomon started out as a very righteous man, and then in his 30s and 40s, he started going off into very lascivious living, and you know went totally off the deep end until he finally came back to God in his 50s or 60s and his later yeah, later years. So my mom went out living down there. She wanted me to get out. Of there. She said, you gotta get out. It's corrupting. It's corrupting your mind. I said, but mom, I love it. I live for. I've seen some evil Christians in Bible study after Bible study. They want to go have a drink or do something stupid. Now that. And I said, no, I can't. Do yeah. And, and that's why I say, that's why a church isn't the end, end all. Because you can, you know, the one thing you can always do, you can always find somebody who will participate with you in whatever. You know, I know people who, parents who have sent their kids to Christian schools thinking that their kids are going to be good because they're in a, Christian school, every Christian school has its element of bad kids in it that are there because their parents are making them go and the last place they want to be is in the Christian school. And you'll find drugs, you'll find smoking, you'll find people who will go out and have sex parties. You know, you, even though you're in a Christian school, there are that that group in there that that are the ones who will lead people. You can come to any church. You know, maybe not someone as small as ours, but you get any bigger church, any church of you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people in it, you're going to find people that will participate in just about any sinful activity that you want to find in that church. You know? So we want to be careful because it is, yes, it's better to hang out in ch with church people. Yes, it's better to hang out with God's people. But it is not the end all. If you want to find somebody who's going to lead you down the wrong path, you can find them. Easy. It's not that hard because there's always the tares in every church. Jesus told us that there are tares, and tares look like wheat. It grows up with the wheat, and, they're the, and the tares are not wheat. They, they are not, and they corrupt it. And, and, Jesus, and God said, let the tares and the wheat grow together until judgment, until harvest. Well, I would think, because, like I say, I'm not getting any younger, I, I think a lot of it, because I'm getting older, but... Now, when I talk to people, like even it was yesterday, yesterday, or, um, I was, they always ask me about my finger, and I said, I'm doing fine, you know. And, and for some reason, I mean, I don't know why, I mean, I know why I say now. I, I, they said, well, are you pain? I said, no, I'm in no pain. I said, I've been praying, and I believe in prayer, and so God's healing my finger, and, and I know there's a reason for it, because he wanted my hand to be healed, because... My whole hand was so bad from working on it, just bleeding. And I know they kind of, kind of looked at me, but I just, you know, I didn't care how, because this is how I feel now. Before, mm -hmm. I would never talk that way. And I like it. And so then I would say, 
then I would I would stop doing that. I said I better stop because then I get <laughs> I forget that they're they're not at church or something or just you know. But that's one of the great ways to witness it. I used to do it all the time in the business place. I would talk to people. I would t use the same language I would use in the church with people and talk about how God had, was doing things for me. And it either made them feel very uncomfortable and stay away from me, or they'd ask a lot of questions about it. So it's a good, it's a good way to get questions opened up. Well, I think because you probably always did that. I really haven't done, really done it. But I get a lot of injuries, a lot, because I do a lot of things. So, and I believe in praying. And I know that what happens because they say, because even this lady came to my house last night. She said, I know you had your finger bad. Um, did they give you any good pain pills? <laughs> and, and I said, well, what do you mean? She said, my hand really hurts. Could, um, could I have some of your pain pills? I said, you know, my medicine is, what you need to do is I pray. And I said, I do have some Motrin IV over the counter if you want a couple. But she thought I really had some, some good, I said, I only took one pill and it wasn't, a, it wasn't from the doctor, it was from over the counter. I said, but ever since then, I have not took any pill, only one. And I said, that's right. I said, you need to pray. <laughs> well, you don't have any good pills. And I was, I was shocked that she asked me because I really didn't know her. Yeah. But, All right. Verse 9. When the plague of leprosy is in the man, then he shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall see him, and behold, if the horizon be white in the skin, and have turned turn the hair white, and there be quick, raw fresh flesh in the rising, then it is an old leprosy of the skin of his flesh, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if a leprosy break out abroad in the skin, and the leprosy cover all the skin of him that hath the plague, from his head even to his foot, whithersoever the priest look, then the priest shall consider, and behold, if the, the leprosy has covered all the flesh, he shall pronounce him clean, and that hath the plague, and it shall be turned all white, and he is clean. And when the raw flesh appeareth in him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall see the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean, for the raw flesh is unclean, it is a leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turn again and be changed into white, he shall be come unto the priest, and the priest shall see him, and behold, if the plague be turned into white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He that hath the plague, for he is clean. This is that idea that when somebody has a the raw flesh, and we've talked about that. That's the 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 running the running sores on his on his body. That's where it's infectious, uh, because it is the fluid that is infectious. All right, it's not just the the scabs and the and stuff. It's fluids on it that transmit. And this is even true today. You know, you can't get AIDS just by touching the person who has AIDS. You have to be touching some fluid from that individual. Or an open sore. Or, an open sore, or the blood. Uh, or sexually transmitted fluids. Uh, and it's pretty much the same for trans sexually transmitted diseases. You don't get it just by touching the person. You it's through the exchanges of the fluids. And this is what's being discussed here. He says if, you're, if they were covered from head to toe with the scabs that aren't, that aren't running, you know, that's turned white because it is so 
you know, it is eaten around. And uh, we talked about we talked about ringworm. Ringworm has that same thing. As it presses out outward, 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 the skin underneath it turns white, and basically is dead. And it's not infectious inside. It it doesn't feel good. It doesn't doesn't look good. But it is it's dead. And this whole thing of leprosy is the same way. We see. I, I've spent some time looking at different pictures of lepers and and with the boils and the bumps and the and the white skin that was formed through it because of it of its traveling. And if it says if it covered them from head to toe in a solid white skin, then they were clean because there was no longer the infectious flowing liquid. But if it was broke out into boils and stuff, they were in they were unclean. And this is what he's looking for. It is an old leprosy. And you know, if he saw if he saw him and he saw that it is growing and the, the hairs are turning white and it still has these you know liquidy pus-filled uh, bubbles all over him and or and or even broken ones, he is unclean. And he is to be put out of the camp so that others would not be infected from his leprosy. And this is how they got the leprosy taken care of. If you got the leprosy, you were put out of the camp. You were kicked out. And as we read on probably next week, the, the given rules were there to yell, unclean, can't come, you don't even come near me. All right? Um, but the priest is the one that makes these distinctions. The priest is the one that was going to make distinctions about sin in the camp and, and, and see, see it pushed out. Verse 18, the flesh also in which even the skin thereof was a boil and is healed, and a place of the boil there is a white rising or a bright spot, white or somewhat reddish, and it shall be shown unto the priest. And if the priest, when the priest see it, and behold, and it be in a sight lower than the skin, and the hair thereof is turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the plague of leprosy broken out in a boil. But if the priest look at it, and, and behold, there is no white hairs therein, and it be not lower than the skin, but it is somewhat dark, and the priest shall shut him up seven days, and it shall, and if it spread much abroad in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him as unclean, it is a plague. But if the bright spots stay in his place, and it spread not, it is a burning boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. And this is a whole idea of boils, because <laughs> boils will produce, of course, when they pop a discharge. But it says that if all it is is one little boil, you know, and the hair hasn't changed and it doesn't grow, it is not a problem. And, you know, boils, boils have all kinds of different reasons why they, you know, anywhere from a ingrown infected hair all the way to a, you know, place where it has been rubbed raw, you know, from the, from the clothing, you know, on a, on a warm day. Uh, so the, the, priests, the priests have a very interesting job. I mean, they're not just... They're not just running the church. They're actually kind of like that's playing like doctor. doctor. Yeah. A bug bite or something. It could be a bug bite that shows that same thing. And, you know, and then looking, is it growing or but is it just like, staying? They plastic gloves, so they couldn't wear gloves. Just yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have had any of that yeah. stuff. They would have. So their, their job, though, is to protect the whole congregation. They're that's why you say a priest wasn't just a priest. Yeah, they were doing more than just being a priest in this case. Uh, because they were looking to protect their job. The job of the priest was to protect all the people spiritually and in this, you know, cleanliness area, at least for the, 
for the Jews, uh, their idea was to keep the people pure, keep them clean. And we're going to stop there because I don't want to go too much further than that. So, uh, stop to 23. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Well, the Bible talks about just about anything under the sun, and there are people that will complain sometimes about how very detailed the Bible gets into into sexually sexual diseases and physical diseases and stuff. But but it was there to protect people. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to look at your Word. We ask that you help us to to look at our lives and see that we don't have anything that spreads evil amongst our our congregation and from those that we know. And we just thank you in your son's name. Amen.